As we begin 2022 and look to the coming year, we must remember to look to God on how, in all seasons, we can partner with Him in order to stay the course. Well, good morning, church. How are you? Welcome, everybody. We're glad you're here. If you're new with us, special welcome to you. Thank you for choosing to worship with us today. And we've got a great series and message that we're in right now. So don't worry if it's your first time, you can jump right in. Uh, If you will, do me a favor. If you're new online or you're new in the room, just let us know you're here online. There's a little contact button right after service. Click that. And if there's any way we can serve you, just put that in the, in the chat box there, and we'll get back to you this week. Um, just let us know. And then if you're in the room, there's a communicator card right in the seat back in front of you there. Um, just grab that, fill that out, and let us know that you're here. Um, if there's any questions we can do, uh, let us know. Is there, is there not a card there? No? Yeah? They're there? Okay, good. All right, there you go. Sorry, because last week we served. All the seats moved, so I wasn't sure. Making sure the cards, but ushers... Always on top of it. There you go. All right. So um, we had a great week, and just I'm so proud of you as a church. Let me just tell you how proud I, I just want to brag on you. So if you're new with us and you weren't here last week, don't worry. You'll, you'll be able to catch in. But um, so last week, two things happened. We had uh, youth service last week. We had uh, Pete Rostowski, he's a former Steeler that played on the O-line, and he, was, he came out to the uh, youth center and did a great job. And uh, he just is a funny, funny guy. And uh, like when he shakes your hand and like engulfs your whole arm. He's just big, you know, just, just crazy. But um, so anyway, he's just really, really competitive. You ever, are you a competitive person, anybody? So, so he's just like, you know, when you watch like, uh, you know, like T.J. Watt when he, he sacks somebody, he's like, whoa, well, that's, the, they're like that in everyday life. Like we were just playing a game like on the screens and you'd guess like A, B, C, D and just, just some football questions. We just had a football like tailgating theme and he'd get one right. He'd be like, yeah. <laughs> he was just funny. And then we were playing volleyball, and if he would score, again, yeah, he'd be kicking his foot up and, like, going crazy. It was just fun. So there you go, guys. So Super Bowl party is going to be fun. So come on out. It's going to be a great day. Um, all right. And then all of you came and served. So we do on fifth Sunday, so we won't have another one until May. But every time we have a fifth Sunday, we either do a serve day or a celebration day. So last Sunday was our fifth Sunday. We did a serve day. Many of you came. So thank you, thank you, thank you. For those of you that served here at Westridge, you know, we just converted this into a, a packing room. We packed for Light of Life Missions. And uh, I just want to say I'm proud of you for doing that. And then some of you went to New Brighton, and we served Grace uh, Bible Church out there. And uh, they've got a phenomenal building. It's probably twice, maybe even three times. It's like 30,000 square feet. It's a big building. And, um, and so they just bought it and got into it, and they just need some help like getting it up and running for their church. And so uh, many of you went and served there. Um, so it just was a, a great day all the way around. At, at Grace Bible Church, I'll tell you, we were just encouraged as they were. It was just really cool. We had service there, came together as a body and, uh, and just served one another. It just was a really, really fun day. Um, but they've got more work that's needed. So we'll be going back to serve them at our next serve project over there again. And for those of you that were here, you packed winter uh, items for, for men. And we had some women's uh, women pack. And we were making sandwiches for emergency families that just had to get out of a situation. They just had nothing on their back and just so we could distribute food. And I just want to tell you how uh, amazing God is. Like, what a perfect time. This was like the coldest week in all winter, and those packs were there to be used right away. And so I'm proud of you for packing. That impacted hundreds and hundreds of families or people, um, you know, just serving, having the food ready, having blankets and winter essentials and all the things that they need. And I understand, I was at Grace Bible Church, so I wasn't here at West Church, but I got a text from our staff at like 11.15, you were done. 
you guys were like efficient and mad crazy. And I know there was a lot of you. I, I mean, I know for next time, I'll just triple the amount of things that we can do. Uh, but when I talk to Light of Life, that's kind of what they needed. But next time we're gonna just, I just know, look, you were maybe too efficient because I'm just gonna load it on you next week. We're just, we're gonna get ready. But um, so anyway, we're, May's our next fifth Sunday and I'm already praying because there's some needs uh, for different things. Uh, of course, at Grace Bible Church, but I've also learned some needs of people that need some help, and it's May. It should be a little bit warmer. Um, so we're probably going to do another serve project, uh, and that's kind of the way these work, is if we know a community need, we know that somebody needs help, we're going to go be the church. And so uh, so be looking for in May. Uh, we'll be getting ready and, and uh, again, loading you up. But we're going to make sure that we're whether you're a kid or adult, everybody has a place and has something to do, um, but we'll make sure we'll, we'll increase the uh, workload because you guys were just so efficient, all right? And so, so next time you'd be like, John, all right, Back off just a little bit, all right? Just, uh, just be ready. But thank you. I'm proud of you. You guys did a great job, and I'm, I'm just so thankful. Uh, another praise report is one of the things I've been praying about is that our government, our, our local government, uh, Allegheny County or, or North Fayette, we're kind of weird because we're in North Fayette and Finley, so we're on both sides of the coin there. But uh, if they need anything, I've just been praying, like, let Westridge be a light to our community, let it be our government. If they need anything, let them know that they can come here and we can help them. So that happened twice in the last few weeks. And so as for many of you, if you live in District 3 in this county, you come and vote here at Westridge. And so you, when it's time for voting, whether it's presidential or special elections or whatever, you come and vote here. Um, well, there was another district that ended up closing and they wanted, they didn't have anywhere to go. So they came to us. And so we're going to be hosting, uh, we're meeting this week to potentially host two districts here at Westridge. And so, um, which is a cool thing. I think it's awesome. When they need something, I want them to know they can come to Westridge and we'll help. We'll jump right in. So I'm meeting with uh, uh, the Allegheny County. That's over all elections. And they're gonna, we're going to walk um, our awakened building and this building to see how we can serve them in a greater way. But I think that's awesome. And then uh, just this week, obviously, how many of you guys uh, enjoying like nine degrees, chipping the ice? You guys loving that? That's awesome. Awesome. I know I prayed for snow. I didn't pray for ice. I prayed for snow. All right. And so anyway, it's been cold. Uh, how many of you had no power this week? Anybody have no power? A couple hours? Days? Who had days? A couple days? Some of you had a couple days, right? I know our house are, that we're moving into this week is in Georgetown. We were out for a couple days over there. Um, so um, there is a thing called warming houses where people can come when they have an extended outage. And so um, the lieutenants and deputies, the police department in North Fayette came and asked, hey, would Westridge be a warming house? And I said, absolutely, we'll be a warming house. And so we're setting, we, in fact, they called right in between services just to confirm uh, you're, you're, you're definitely in. They were like, are you sure? Kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah, we're sure. We're sure. And they're like, well, can we come today? And I said, we have services, but sure, come on in. They could. So if you're here because they told you to come, welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, so we, you, know, you can stay warm, bundle up. We're here to serve you. But, uh, but moving forward, uh, anytime there's an outage or anything like that, Westridge will be a warming house for anybody that needs help. So we may be calling on you because uh, we're not just going to open our building and say, hey, get warm. We want to serve them, bless them, feed them, whatever they need. Uh, we'll be here to, uh, to be there for them. So in the future, uh, we'll be looking at that. And then uh, we'll also be talking to a couple providers because we may need to get some emergency power because if they don't have lights and we don't have lights, we can't really warm. So we want to make sure that we're uh, a true warming house, if that makes sense. So uh, if you have any connections with, uh, you know, generators or things like that for whole buildings, let us know. But we'll, we'll be getting our buildings up to snuff. So uh, when it goes out, we're going to be a light. We're going to be there to help and serve, all right? Um, so that's good news. I'm excited about that. All right, you ready? Got your Bibles? You got your word? Hold it up there. Digital, hard copy. All right, good. We're ready to go. Acts 27, all right, if you got your Bibles. Acts 27. 
Uh, stay the course. This is our series. We started this series. This is our vision series. We started this two weeks ago. Even if you're new with us, you can catch up. You can listen to that last uh, two weeks ago. Um, but today I want to talk about uh, an area that I think we've all been in. Uh, maybe you're in it right now. Maybe you were in it years ago. Maybe it's been a while or maybe it's going to come. But uh, I want to talk about how we can stay the course when everything falls apart. How many of you have had that happen? Where it just falls apart. Life falls apart. Everything falls apart. Family, kids, life, school. It just, things happen, right? Um, uh, well, I want to look at what do we do? How do we stay the course when everything seems to be falling apart? Now, I do want to give you uh, some, uh, maybe correct some theology. Because a lot of times people will say, well, I'm a Christian, so everything's going to be good. You didn't find that in the Bible. I'll tell you that right now. Everything's going to be good from Jesus' perspective. Jesus is good. Anything, anytime you receive from the Lord or anything, he t- that's always going to be good. Uh, but Jesus said it himself. In the world that we live in, which is the same world Jesus came to, in this world there's going to be trouble. Trouble. Now, he didn't stop there. You've got to remember the whole promise. Okay, the whole promise is, in this world there's going to be trouble, but I have overcome. All right, so we have an amazing overcomer in Christ. But I just want you to know that when things fall apart, look, it's, a lot of times we like to blame God. God, why did you do this? Or why is this happening to me? Or what is going on? And I certainly understand, like, we have emotions and you can talk to God. Look, God's got big shoulders. He's, he's fine with your questions. But you need to know that the reason why we have problems is because of sin, which Jesus never did. He never sinned. The reason why we have issues in this world is because we disobeyed God. All of us have. Started with Adam and Eve, and here we are thousands of years later. And we have a compounding sinful world. There's going to be a lot of trouble in there. We have an enemy who is the little g God of this world. Who wants nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy. Especially from the people of God. Especially from you, the church. So we're not exempt from trouble. Now, God's desire isn't that we're constantly in trouble. So uh, some of you are like, oh, this is a great message for me. This is awesome, especially if you're in the mess right now. But I just want to encourage you that how do we stay the course when you're in a mess? How do you stay the course when everything's falling apart? How how do we keep our eyes focused on what's important? Uh, This series will go on for four weeks, but Pastor Manning's going to close out this series on the 20th. Um, And he's going to talk about, in fact, Jesus even gave us He came to earth and he told us, look, I'm going to come again. And he gave three different parables in Matthew 25 about when I come again, I want you to be ready. I want you to stay the course. I don't want you to miss it when the Lord comes. When I come from heaven to to receive you, I don't want you to miss me. And he talks about different parables. And Manny will share about that uh, on the closing week. Uh, But how do we stay the course when everything's upside down or everything's torn apart? Everything falls apart in our lives. What do do we do? Uh, I want to use the apostle Paul. Uh, as a good example of when life falls apart. Now, the Apostle Paul didn't always follow Jesus. Uh, he was always religious, but he, he wasn't following God. In fact, he was persecuting Christians. He, was, uh, he had uh, Stephen killed. He was the one in charge that had that happen. Uh, he was throwing Christians in jail. He was persecuting. He was fearing them. He was, he was manipulating to, to get them in trouble. And then one day on the road to Damascus, Paul got saved. He met Jesus. Jesus talked to him personally from heaven, blinded his eyes for a season of time. And he began to get discipled as a disciple. And now he's a Christ follower. 
So I don't know where you're at today in your, in your life or in following Jesus, but look, Paul didn't have a good track record. He was murdering people. He was doing things he shouldn't. But when he met Jesus, everything changed. It took time. It took years of discipleship. It took him relearning the scriptures in a new way because he was religious, but he was using the Bible. He would twist the Bible to get what he wanted. And so today, I don't know where you're at, but I do want you to see that God can use anybody. God will save everybody. God will use you. And let me just say this. You and I, insert your name, we all have a unique calling from God that's specifically only to you. And you're gonna see by the end of today's message that that calling is bigger than you think. Yes, it's gonna bless you. Yes, it's gonna challenge you. Yes, it's gonna give you a passion and desire. It's gonna give you a hunger. But you know what? It's also gonna impact others around you. You know, I've read this scripture in Acts 27, I don't know, a million times, because it's really a fun, especially if you have kids. This is a great, great, it's really just a fun uh, life situation that happened with Paul. But um, this is about when Paul got shipwrecked, if you remember. He was on a boat, and the boat got shipwrecked. Now, he wasn't on the boat because he was like the Titanic. He bought a ticket. He was on the boat because he was a prisoner. He was in jail, and they wanted to take all these prisoners. There was 266 people total on the boat. They wanted to take all these prisoners to a certain place. It's kind of like today in our jail systems when you put prisoners on a bus and you transfer them. So this is kind of what's happening. And so Paul's put in jail because he's preaching the gospel. It wasn't like it was before when he was killing people and he was okay. He wasn't getting put in jail for that. But because he's now a believer and he's preaching the gospel, the same people that he was working with at one time is now throwing him into prison. He was in the same religious group. He was in the same family of people that were persecuting Christians, but now he's a person of the way. He's now a Christian, and now he's getting thrown into prison. And he's with all these other prisoners that aren't in prison because they're preaching the gospel. They're in prison because they need to be in prison. And he's on this boat with them, and and he's getting transferred. He's getting shipped around. Now, I share this because I don't believe, in Romans chapter 8, Paul receives Really what I I believe is God saying, Paul, I want you to go to Rome. But Paul has this passion and desire to get to Rome. And not just to go to Rome to be like tourist and vacation and go see all the hot spots. He wants to get to Rome because he wants to preach the gospel. Your New Testament is filled with books, epistles from Paul himself because Paul was an apostle that was planting churches in all these different cities. So when you open your Bible and you read the book of Romans, it's because Paul went to Rome. And he planted a church there and he grew leaders there and it became the Romans. When he went to Corinth, that's the book of Corinthians. That's where he planted church in Corinth. That's one of his journeys where he planted churches and he put leaders there. Then he went to Thessalonica, that's Thessalonians. Then he went to Galatia, that's Galatians. These are all towns that the apostle Paul went and spread the gospel. People got saved. He started discipling them and planting churches. We're in Coriopolis because it started right here. It started right here because Jesus came and died for all of us and Jesus came and saved a man named Paul and gave him this amazing calling and gifting to go and plant and preach the gospel. And you're sitting here today because God has also called you. Now maybe you're not gonna plant churches like Paul. I don't know what your calling is. We all have different gifts and callings, but I just want you to see that what God has called you to do is so important not only to you, but to the kingdom. 
There's a kingdom plan that's gonna go way beyond us. It's gonna live on for all eternity, but you have a special puzzle piece. You and I and all of our puzzle pieces together create this kingdom perspective, this kingdom plan that God has in order and everything is subjective to that kingdom plan, everything. So when things fall apart, I hope by the end of today, you're gonna see things with a different perspective. When we're in a mess, when our life's falling apart, when everything is falling apart, it's easy to get caught up in the mess and focus on the mess and your perspective is all about your victim mentality of me, 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 poor me, what's happening to me? This is what's happening to Paul in Acts 27. Starting in verse, uh, if you've got your Bibles there, we're gonna start in verse number nine. We're gonna read a little bit, verses nine through 20, so hang in there with me. But this is the story of Paul getting on the ship. Now, before you get on the ship, if any of you have traveled, how many of you guys have done cruises before? Okay, how many of you know when the cruises are cheaper, it's because it's a little bit riskier to travel? You know that, right? You're not getting a good deal. You could run into a storm, all right? So there are bad times to travel on a boat, all right? And so this is one of them, especially in, well, I remember when we went to Israel, we went to the Sea of Galilee and we were out on the, uh, out on the Sea of Galilee, it was pretty awesome. Uh, but I remember the, the, the guide there saying, hey, look, there's times when you don't wanna be on the water. There's a lot of people that lose their life on the Sea of Galilee, which by the way, it's not like the Atlantic Ocean or Pacific Ocean, you can see from one end to the other when you're out there. But he said, if you're out there at the wrong time, like if a nor'easter comes through there, you're done. We can't help you. We can't get out there to save you fast enough. Your boat's going down. And so this is the time that they're traveling. It's not a good time to be on a boat, but they want to take the prisoners from here to there. And so that's where we're picking up on 27 verse 9. Starting at verse 9, it says this. We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for long voyages by then because it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship officers about it. Men, he said, I believe there's trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, injuries, and danger to our lives. But the officer, remember this, the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. And since Fair Havens was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go to Phoenix further up the coast of Crete and spent the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and northwest exposure. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought, hey, we can make it. So they pulled up anchor, sailed along close to the shore, but the weather changed abruptly. And a wind, a typhoon strength, a nor'eastern, they called it, caught the ship, blew it out to sea. They couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and they let it run before the gale. We sailed behind a small island named Coda, where the great difficulty and hoisted aboard the lifeboat that was being towed behind us. Then we branded the ship with ropes and strengthened the hull. The sailors were afraid of being driven across the sandbars of Sirtis off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor and were driven before the wind. The next day, a gale force winds continued to batter the ship. The crew began throwing cargo overboard. The following day, they even threw out the ship's equipment and any else that could, they could lay their hands on. The terrible storm raged unbated for many, many days, blotting out the sun, the stars, until, listen to this, at last, all hope was gone. Now listen, let me stop there. I think when life's falling apart, now I know we're not on this boat, but sometimes this is what life feels like, doesn't it? It feels like everything, the pressure, everything's happening. Maybe you're in, you know, 
middle school or high school or college, your friends, you have conflicts, you have relationships, school, the pressure of studying and doing well, the pressure not only in school, but maybe you feel it from, from home, from your parents, but you, you feel all of these things. And sometimes it feels like everything is crumbling. Nothing is working the way it should. For many of us, our jobs, our careers, our, our families, man, we just have these seasons where it feels like this boat is getting pushed out to sea and it feels like the wind's coming. It feels like, like you get to a point and I love where Paul ends, there's no hope. And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you're watching online because you just feel like you have no hope. You're so worried about what's going on in today's world. You don't feel like you could leave. You don't feel like you could do anything right now. Maybe today you're sitting here and look, you're, you're in it. Look, I don't know your situation, but as I'm talking, look, you know you're in it. Everything is falling apart, and it feels like you have no control, and you're losing hope. I just want to be honest with you. All of us have lost hope before. As, even as a believer, there's times when we can get to a point where we just lose hope. For me, it was... Well over 15 years ago, I was in Dallas and everything started falling apart. My life fell apart. My church fell apart. My pastor had an affair. It blew up the church. It happened on Easter. Day of the Lord. Lawsuits began to happen. My family started to get tore apart. We were having babies at that time. One of, my one, of my, one of my girls couldn't see. We had to have surgery in that time. It's easy to get into these moments where everything's falling apart and you're just like, God, what? where are you? What's going on? And you lose hope. Listen, I just want to be honest with you. I think we've all been there. In fact, has any, have any of you been through it more than once? Here's the one assurance I can give you. God's overcome the world. And for those of you that have been through it more than once, you know, and I could sit back and say, look, it's over now. It wasn't fun going through it, right? We don't like, we don't like when this world is tearing us apart. We don't like when we're in trouble it's not comfortable, we don't like it. It's, there's a lot of things that we don't like about it. You know, for Paul, it was more than just him. There was 266 people on the boat. And let me just say for you, there's more people on your boat too. You've got a family, you've got coworkers, you've got neighbors, you've got people around you. And let me just tell you, they're watching as followers of Christ, let me just say it's a blessing. But let me just also say, how you live this life out matters. And I'm not talking about to God. Yes, our, our, we need to be pleasing Jesus. He's our Lord and Savior. We want to honor him. But let me just tell you, the world's watching you. They're watching how you react. They're watching how, look, even when you lose hope as a believer, how are you going to act? What are you going to do? And I know we're not perfect. I'm not calling you perfection. But I'm asking you to say, when, when everything's falling apart, maybe God's doing something in you. 
When you get to the point where you lose all hope, the interesting part when you lose all hope is you, at some point you turn to God. At some, part, at some point you say, God, I need your help. Now, this isn't God punishing you, by the way. Now, let me be clear. If we're gonna sin and disobey and, and dishonor God, there's consequences to that. That's not what I'm talking about. But as a follower of Christ, when you're going through and everything's falling apart, God is not punishing you. In fact, I would say the opposite is he's testing you. He wants to see you succeed. He wants to see you rise up out of this. God is bigger than the pressure that you feel in life. God's bigger than the situation. In fact, you're not the only one that's been through it. I think all of us in this room agreed we've been through it. We've been through it more than one time. So listen, God who created everything, every person in, in humanity has been through a situation like this and God's been above every one of them. He's bigger than all these things. You're not, your identity's not found in the situation. It's not found in the person that's maybe saying terrible things about you. It's not found in your career, your work. Your identity is found in the one that made you. And the one that's over, he's bigger than all of these things. Sometimes there's a turning point in moments like this. For me and Dallas, this was the turning point. But I have to be honest with you, my flesh, my old self, rose up and said, I don't want to be a pastor anymore. This stinks. I think I may have to use a different word. I don't want to do this anymore. If this is what church is going to be like, I don't want to do it anymore. Now, my sin or my vow was wrong because I was judging the whole church because of one situation. My problem wasn't with the whole church. My problem was with, with one person. But this is what we do when we make vows. As we generalize it, and we blame everything or everybody when that's not the case. You have a God that's bigger than this boat, this, this shipwreck, this storm, whatever you're going through in life. You have a God that is bigger. And if you'll turn to him, I promise you, and it doesn't, you know, for God, it, it can be anything. It could be a touch. It could be a word. It could be an angel. It could be anything. It could be uh, like Paul, it was an audible voice from heaven. But let me just tell you, he likes these moments when everything's falling apart. He definitely does. If you've ever read, read the Bible through and through, you read about a lot of things that happen. And these aren't just fable stories. This is real life with people that had situations different from you, but they had situations. And God showed up in all of these situations. That's why I love the Bible. It's encouraging to know that, look, I'm not in this alone. Just because my world's falling apart, look, so did Paul's, and so did David's, and so did Solomon's, and so did, so did Ruth's, and so did Esther's. So did Jesus, by the way. You know, Jesus is walking town to town trying to do good things. Our vision for this year, stay the course, do good, always, always do good. In due season, we'll reap a harvest. Look, we're always to do good. Look, don't look for, I did good, now give me what I'm supposed to get. That's not the way it works. We do good because we love God and we have a good God and he's always doing good for us and that's gonna be our, our response. But especially to the household of faith, we do good to those that love Jesus as well. You know, Jesus was out healing people. He'd walk town to town and heal people. In fact, there's this one time where he healed a man that was demon-possessed living in a, in a cemetery and he healed him and the demon jumped out of him and jumped into the pigs and the pigs jumped off, the, off this mountain and into the water and, and they killed themselves. 
Now, I know that's a little bit graphic, but I'm just, I'm just telling you, God saved a man. This man, the demon went out of him, and he led a whole town to come to Jesus. But you know what the people, you know what the world, the troubled world, you know what they focused on? You killed my pigs. Get out of my town. Another time, Jesus was walking into a a feast where all Jews are to go to a feast. And Jesus walked in. He was only doing good. He was healing. He was helping. He was saving. He was freeing. And he walks into town. You know what they did? They picked up rocks to kill him. They tried to push him off a cliff. In the end, they put him through all these false mockery trials. And then they hung him on the cross. Look, in this world, there's going to be trouble. But we have an overcomer. They killed him on the cross, but he got out of the grave three days later. And appeared to the same people that killed him. He will overcome and he'll overcome for you. He's bigger than the situation. He's bigger than what you're going through. You know, for Paul, the turning point was found in Acts chapter 27, verse, starting in verse 21. Now, read the whole story. It's, it's, it really is phenomenal what Paul went through in this, this story. But I know we all have stories. But here's what, here's what he did in verse 21. Everyone lost hope. Verse 21 says, no one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Fair Havens. I like that. Dig. Dig, right? You should have listened to me, boys. But listen, you would have avoided all injury and loss, but take courage. Have heart. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and he said, don't be afraid, Paul. You will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safely to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, take heart, for I believe God, it will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. How many of you have been like, amen, Paul, amen. Paul says, listen. Now, what I love about Paul is, is he went to God. Can Paul stop the shipwreck? No. Can Paul save them? No. But God sent an angel to talk to Paul and said, Paul, don't worry, I'm gonna save everybody on the boat. Isn't that an amazing imagery of what Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died for all the world, everybody. And he tells Paul, look, I'm gonna save all 266 now, I don't know how long he sat with that angel, but I might have had a couple questions. Well, how are you going to do that? Is there anything I need to do? Should I put something together? Is there a lifeboat? What, how are you going to save us all? You might have some questions. But it doesn't matter. When God says he's going to save all, he's going to save all. You know, when life's falling apart, I think the one thing that I, I've read over time and time again as I read this account on Paul is what he said in verse 24. And this is what I need you to hear and what I need me to hear as, as I share this. But in verse 24, he said this. He reminded Paul of his calling. And he said, Paul, don't be afraid. You will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more than that is, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone. Do you realize that what God's called you to do 
and what God's called me to do impacts more than just me and you. God was more concerned about his kingdom plan. This was not about Paul going to Caesar. This was about the gospel going to Caesar. This was about the kingdom going to Rome. Listen, Paul had a passion. This was his calling. He had a desire. You can read in Romans chapter eight. He says, look, I desire, I want to be there with you. I can't wait to come see you. But I can promise you that in his journal or in his, his prayers to God, he said, okay, God, please put me in a shipwreck. Put me in some crazy storm, Lord. In fact, if God would have told him that, do you think he would have went? You see, God gave him a calling and desire to preach the gospel to all the world. In fact, Paul's calling was to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, to go outside of the Jewish nation, to go out outside of Jerusalem and preach the gospel to the, na- to the cities around. That was his calling. And he had such a passion and a desire, God put it in him to go to Rome. In fact, a few chapters back in Acts, he wanted to go to Rome and the Holy Spirit said, no, not yet. You can't go yet. Oh, doesn't that bother you? But I want it now, God. Come on. You said God, right? He said, not now. Can I just tell you that if you don't know what you're calling, what God's called you to do, you gotta start asking. Because I never realized in this story that the calling to go to Rome, look, I love when I hear from God and I know that it's him that he's speaking to me. But what I didn't realize when I read the story is that this impacted so many people. This is about a kingdom plan. God saved not only Paul, but 266 other people. And by the way, they weren't asking for God. They weren't seeking God. They were in prison because they probably did some terrible things. And let me just be clear. I don't care what your sin is. God loves you and wants to save you. And he'll use people like Paul that know their calling in God and he's gonna place them in in your life and maybe it's in a mess moment, but God is gonna use them to share the good news, to share the gospel. What if you're in a mess because God wants to use you? What if it's your calling? What if what God put inside of you is gonna change other people? You see, when you're in a mess, maybe, maybe if that's where you're at today, maybe you should ask God, God, Look, if you don't know, start asking, God, what is it you have for me? What is my calling? What is my gift? What is it you, know, what is it you want me to do? Because we all have a unique and special calling. God made you and he made me and he's placed what's inside of you on purpose. And it's for his kingdom. It's for his glory. It's for his plans. It's for his purposes. You know, one day we're gonna expire. We're gonna leave earth, but we're not gonna leave his kingdom plan. That goes on for all eternity. What I love about this moment that God's bigger than that moment is this, that all these people knew who God was after this. God's bigger than the mess. My last point I want to share with you is the world will recognize God's plan for you. They're going to recognize it. You remember, I said, remember this sailor. Remember when the centurion or the, the person in charge said, Paul, no. Paul said, look, we better not go. It's the wrong time of year. We're gonna die. And they said, no, I'm gonna listen to the pilot. And I'm gonna listen to the owner. That same guy, watch this. That same guy, just a few verses later or while he's in the shipwreck moment, watch what he says in verse 42 of 27. 
It says, but the ship, oh, sorry, 42. The soldiers, the soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. But the commanding officer, the same guy that told Paul no, the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul. So he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make it for land, and he told the others to try for it on the planks and debris from the broken ship so everyone escaped safely to shore. The same guy that said, Paul, you're wrong, is now the same guy that says, look, I'm not going to let them kill all of you because of Paul. I'm just saying, this guy wasn't preaching the gospel. This man was impacted because of what Paul did. And I believe that when you're in a mess, when you're in a situation that's overwhelming, there's people watching you. And I believe that what God's called you to do can speak to them. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. Paul's destiny wasn't to float on the shore on some debris. I guarantee you that wasn't his plan A, B, C, or D. But this is where he was. But God reminded him, Paul, I've called you to go to Rome. I've called you to preach to them. You're gonna get there. You've gotta believe me. And while you're on the way, because you know that's your gifting, I'm gonna save all these other people right here. Do you realize that the, God, the calling that God's put in you is bigger than you? That the kingdom plan is bigger than this earth? That what you do now does matter. The way you act matters. The way you follow Christ matters. The way you walk through situations when there, it seems like you've, and maybe you have lost hope. But listen, look at Paul. Take heart. Talk to God. Go to him and ask him, God, what, what have you called me to do in this moment? What is my place? Because quite possibly what God's doing in you for his kingdom will transform the people around you. It didn't stop there either. They floated into this island on debris on the ship. And there was people on that island. And the people saw them swimming in on their debris. Think about it. There's a storm. It's raining. It's crazy. It's cold. So they build a fire. And it's, this moment goes on starting in verse 3 of chapter 28. It says, as Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was and was laying them on the fire. A poisonous snake, some translations say a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging there and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt, he's done. <laughs> Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up and suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no, saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and decided that he was God, little g, not true. That's just where they were. Near the shore where they landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us courteously and fed us for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and, and something, dysentery. Thank you. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on them, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were cured. As a result, we were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, people put on board all sorts of things that we would need for our trip. You see, sometimes in a mess, you don't realize 
For Paul, it was just being reassured of what he called, what God's called him to do. Being reassured, look, take heart, Paul. It looks bad right now. It doesn't look like you're gonna make it, but I'm gonna save all of you. And then he gets over to the island, meets total strangers, people he doesn't know. Gets bit by a snake that should have killed him. But if he would have died right there, would he have made it to Rome? The kingdom plans bigger than the snake bite even. You see, you don't realize how valuable when God speaks into you what that means. God's promises never fail. What he's called you to do is essentially important not only to you, but to the kingdom and to those around you. These people never met Paul, but he began to lay hands on them and God would heal them right then, right there. I don't know about you, but I want my message to look more like that. Look, and I know we can't replicate what Paul did. That's not, there's no formula to it. You know what the formula is? Following Jesus. You just follow him. And if you don't know, you ask. And if you do know your calling and you're in the middle of it, just remind yourself, God, I know that's what you called me to do. I'm gonna get through this. I promise you these moments in life that seem, they seem so big in the moment, it's gonna pass. When everything falls apart, listen, it's gonna end and you're gonna be stronger for it. But even more than that, there's people's lives that could be changed by how you handle yourself in that moment. And you don't have to do anything special. You just gotta remind, or maybe you're here today, or maybe you're listening in online and you don't know what you're called to do. I'm gonna believe that the Holy Spirit will show you right here, right now, today. Or maybe you're like me. It, it was a process for me, if I had to be honest. It took some time, but you know what? I wanted to know. The Bible says, seek and he'll answer. Knock and he'll open the door. The plans of the righteous will avail much. You gotta know you're part of a team that is eternal. You gotta know that you're part of a team that's bigger than the enemy, that's bigger than the world's troubles. You're part of a team that... The plan, there's only one plan. And that's that Jesus wins. He's the Messiah. He'll be the Lord forever. Someday he'll come again. And let me just tell you, on that great white horse, he'll end it and he'll end it well. With just words. He'll just speak and it'll happen. There's no end of the UFC match determined by the judges. No, no. God says it's over, it's over. And that's what I believe for you. If you're in this everything falling apart moment, when God says it's over, it's over. When God says you're going to Rome, you're going to Rome. I don't know how, but he'll get you there. It may not be what you think, but God's promises are always true. His word is always faithful. He doesn't change. And so if you're in that world of chaos right now, if your world's falling apart, you just go to God right now. I, don't, I can't answer it for you and neither can anyone sitting next to you. But we can point you to the one that can, the overcomer, the one that overcame. He's right here in the room too. He's right here too. Stand to your feet. I wanna pray with you. Outside's a new life board. I shared this on Vision Day. 
And if you're new with us, there's a blue bulb in there that represents 100 people that have made commitments to Jesus over the years. But if today's your day, you want to give your life to Jesus, maybe for the first time, or maybe you're coming back to God, maybe you ran from God, you may say, I, I don't like church, or however you say it, but the truth is, you've been running from God. But today you're coming back, and you're saying, God, I'm, I'm seeking you. I want to know you more. And you're making a commitment to follow him again. I want to be a follower. I don't want to just say the words. I want to truly follow you. If that's you, you, look, you just tell somebody today, one of me, our lay leaders, our altar teams, ushers, Info Central, there's a light bulb that you can plug into that board and you can just say, that's me. And let me just tell you, when you do it, the lobby's going to erupt for you. We're just going to celebrate you. We're going to be so excited for you. It's the best decision you could ever make. And we want you to be encouraged. We want you to take heart. Let's not lose hope. Let's take heart. I can promise you those 266 people were jumping up and down when they got saved. And we're going to jump up and down for you too. Let me pray for you. Lord, I just thank you for everybody here. Holy Spirit, speak to people today. These are your kids. You made every one of them in here. You designed them specifically for your kingdom, for your plan, for your purpose. We were all made in your image. Lord, if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know their calling, that doesn't know you, that they don't know what they were made for. Holy Spirit, speak to them. Show them. Comfort them. Let them know, Lord, that you are revealing yourself to them. Let them know that they're here today for this reason right here. And Lord, if they're in a mess right now, if things are falling apart, let this be a take heart moment. Lord, speak faith into them. Speak life into them. Speak hope into them. Let them not give up. Let them turn to a God that saves. Let them turn to a God that does miracles. Let them turn to a God that makes things make sense when it doesn't make sense. You're the God of the possible, Lord. You can do all things. We're here to receive from you, Lord. Especially those that are hurting right now, Lord. They're hurting. They may have made a mistake. They may have made a bad decision. But Lord, they're here today saying, God, I need your help. I need your help. Lord, would you redeem those decisions? Would you save them? Would you free them from whatever, whatever it is that they're grabbing onto, but it's not giving them any hope? Jesus, set them free today. Save them today. And Lord, for, the, for those of us that are following, but we're just, in a, we're just in a mess right now. Thank you for the promise that you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You are the overcomer and we trust you. And Lord, make us, like Paul, use us to help your kingdom and to bless others. We love God and we love people. In Jesus' name, everyone said, let's worship.